But Arch Stoke Coach Steve Austin here doing the intro today for you instead of that piece of trash cuz I gave him a Stoke Cold Stunner and threw his ass outside. Now I hope you're ready for our wrestling podcast as they call it. Not as good as the Stoke Code podcast, but you know, it's getting up there. I put these kids over a little bit here. They're doing a good job. What? They just released the legacy of Stoke Cold Steve Austin. What? One of the best episodes they've ever done. What? Now get ready as they do a watch along as they watch the match that really skyrocketed my career into the stratosphere and the echelons of the greatest of all time of WWE, our wrestling podcast, watch along the dark match sessions for Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Owen Hart, SummerSlam 97, where I get dropped on my stack of dimes that I call a neck. What? So take it away, Jess and Dave. Okay, Mr. Austin, Mr. Austin, just don't go. I need to quit work with you before the matchup tonight. Got a word for you. Are you prepared? Are you prepared to put your reputation on the line tonight? You would have to kiss Owen's backside if you lose in front of all these people. 20,000 people, a million people out there on pay-per-view. Welcome everybody to our wrestling podcast. This is Jess, and I'm here with Dave. Hello, and no cuz this week. Uh, this is going to be another dark match session. But whoa, 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 whoa! Do not turn it off right now, <laughs> because our dark match sessions get no listens, and I get it. But this is going to be a little bit different. Um, this is also one of the ones where you know, cuz is not going to be with us. He's busy. Uh, we have him editing a lot of stuff. He did a masterpiece with the Stone Cold episode. Uh, it's gotten huge response. So thank you, everybody that's listened and will continue to listen. Um, so the dark match sessions we really want to experiment with. We've tried a couple episodes where we've just kind of shot on random talk topics, excuse me, about today's product. This one, we want to do something different. We want to do a watch along. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't <laughs> shut it off there either. Um I guess people who are not uh, in front of a tablet or a television or a place where they can watch along are like, well, I'm shutting this off. Don't do that either. Because what Dave and I are going to do is a little bit different. We're going to obviously it copies some kind of popular podcast of the day without mentioning stuff. Conrad Thompson's podcast. <laughs> um, but they usually do watch alongs of entire pay-per-views. We're going to do a watch along of just one match today. And that is going to be from SummerSlam 1997. Owen Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin for the Intercontinental Championship from SummerSlam 1997. And the reason why we're doing that match is because we released a Stone Cold episode, um, our Owen Hart episode released last week, as you guys heard. And uh, so we want to kind of keep up that motif. And the day that Dave and I are recording this is August 2nd, whereas the next day, August 3rd, is the 22-year anniversary of SummerSlam 1997. Um, So it's pretty timely. We kind of want to keep together everything that's going on. We also wanted this episode to have a SummerSlam theme to it because by the time you hear this, it'll be a day after August 11th, which is SummerSlam 2019. So you would uh, have already have watched SummerSlam by the time you hear this. So that's why we kind of wanted to do this. We wanted to keep the Owen and Stone Cold theme going and the SummerSlam theme. So Dave, uh, what do you feel about uh, the watch along? I'm excited to do it. I mean, you know, the great thing about what we, what we always get to do in the past is we've, 
know, we do bio stuff. Um, I get a bit of a day off, so I'm kind of excited about that. No storyboard for me. Yay. I know Dave usually is your host. And, <laughs> uh, I will be the host this time because this was kind of my idea. Not, I didn't think of the watch along concept. Obviously, it's been done a bunch, but uh, sure. But I wanted to kind of try it here. So um, you'll hate me and you'll miss Dave. And that's really the whole point. Isn't it? <laughs> but the at the point. same time, I mean, it's fun to be able to actually watch a match and kind of get back into it and really describe what we're feeling, um, how we were when it happened, especially a match like this one that we're going to do. Because this, in my opinion, this match is great. And when I say great, great doesn't mean necessarily good. Great can be great in a bad way as well. And this was on both sides of great. It was really, really good, and then it got really, really bad for the obvious reasons that we talked about in the Stone Cold podcast, the Owen podcast, on those bios. Um, but those are the kind of situations when you see it, when if you saw it live, you knew, you, and some of you thought honestly that I, mean, I don't want to dig into it too quick, but you thought that um, you thought that somebody wasn't going to make it back. You might have thought that they might have, might not even make it out of the ring. So it's um, it's it's quite impressive for so many reasons and really scary. Uh, this match kind of gives you every bit of emotion you could think of, like excitement, fear, anxiety, the the whole nine. And it's it's a, it's a great match to watch along. And it's I, I kind of prefer to watch along one match versus a whole pay-per-view because that's so hard and there's so much shit in some pay-per-views. And this is a great match on so many levels. It's just too bad it wasn't great because the nobody not everybody came out okay from it, you know, but still it's 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 awesome. And ironically, this match is really the match. We, you know, we're going to talk about what happens, obviously, as it happens. It, it's, it's a big deal what happens in this match. Um, it launched Stone Cold's career in an odd way, in the most odd way possible. Um, so, but, but the reason why I don't want people to hit stop, because it's a watch along, is we're going to spend more than a few minutes talking about the atmosphere of the wrestling industry. And I, really, I just mean between WCW and WWF here in 1997, what the atmosphere was. So we're going to talk about that. So you don't have to tune out. You do not have to watch along to enjoy this episode because the match is 16 minutes long and the podcast will be longer than that. So we're going to talk a little bit about the atmosphere before and then after the match. Uh, we're going to talk about the aftermath. So you can definitely listen to this on your commute or in your workout. The more or- I think about this concept, the more I like it because it's just it's just one 60-minute match. And some matches will be less than that. And we talk for 30, 45 minutes on a topic, yeah. which is cool. You know, I, I, the more I think about it, the more I like it. So the environment here, the, the date of SummerSlam, like I said, was August the 3rd, 1997. But I want to go back a few weeks before, and I kind of want to talk about the summer of 1997 because – up until this point, WCW had been firmly in control for a year at this oh, point. Yeah. The NWO was formed at, uh, in July of 1996. And a couple of weeks before Hogan's heel turn, Nitro had beaten Raw in the ratings a couple consecutive weeks. So the 83 weeks also encompasses, encompasses wow, I can't speak today, um, <laughs> a, a couple of weeks before the Hogan heel turn. So WCW was getting... Uh, to the point where they were just starting to click in general and it was getting really interesting between both companies. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about what WCW was doing up until here. Up at this point, WCW had just had Dennis Rodman at their (laughs) July pay-per-view, Bash at the Beach 97. It was Rodman and Hogan against Lex Luger and the Giant and Hulk Hogan would actually take the loss for his team there, submitting to Lex Luger and the Torture Rack. Um, Can you take a second to talk about how ridiculous that sounds? 
No, I actually, when you go back and watch it, it, uh, it, it sounds ridiculous, but it got WCW tons of mainstream media. Like I said, they sure. were already on top for a year at this time. The NWO was just capturing the imagination of wrestling fans and casual fans, which is the most important um, when, when wrestling goes through a boom period. So uh, they just had their July, you know, Bash at the Beach sets, pay-per-view records for them. They had an all-time buy rate with that pay-per-view. Um, the ratings for Nitro was at an all-time high at the time. When I read you the ratings, you're going to laugh because they would get so much higher on both sides as we get into 1988. And then when WWF was really clobbering WCW 99, mm-hmm. they would get even higher on the WWF side. So um, that was really the, the tone of Nitro. Uh, Hulk and Lex had been teasing a feud. Sting was still up on the rafters. He was still developing his crow gimmick. He had not wrestled yet, obviously. He was still just kind of coming down from the ceiling uh, on the cable and doing the crow thing, hitting people with bats and kind of just walking out. So Sting's Aura was growing on the WCW what a, what side. A build. The fans, to, to sum it up, the fans were clearly choosing the WCW product at this time. But this is super interesting for WWF, and you'll see it here. I'm going to go to some ratings leading up to SummerSlam here. Um, the June 30th edition of Raw and Nitro, Raw would draw a 2.5 rating, and Nitro would draw a 3.3 rating. Now, think about that right now. The current Monday Night Raw on a good week will draw a 2.5. And Nitro back here was drawing a 3.3. It shows you a couple things. It shows you how important competition is, but it shows you a 3.3 here was opening eyes. Mm-hmm. TNT was doing a 3.3 every Monday. And, and USA and Raw was doing a 2.5. That's not a bad cable rating, folks, especially back here for 1997. That was not a bad cable rating at all. I mean, it was long before the days of, you know, Breaking Bad when it was hitting ratings records or Walking Dead when it was at its peak, you know, doing 8, 9, 10 to 16 million viewers. I think it speaks to the casual viewer as well that uh, wrestling at this point has not been able to get back. Uh, I, I talk to people, and, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that I'm a wrestling fan. I'll say it at work. I'm not going to tell you where I work. People that <laughs> listen to this probably already know, but I'll tell you when I talk about it at work, they're like, oh yeah. And you know what they talk about? They talk about this time frame. They talk about what's going on in 97, 98, and then partial of 99. They talk about it's happening on both channels. They talk about Hogan. They talk about The Rock. They talk about Stone Cold, obviously. They're talking about Bret Hart. You know, they're talking about this aura of time because that's when they really captured the casual viewer of 18 to 35, which that is so tough to capture that kind of large, in my opinion, that that large uh, main, you know, amount of, uh, of age. Demographic. Yeah, yeah, demographic and age bracket. It, you know, they, that's what they were capturing. And. And people weren't ashamed to call themselves wrestling fans then. Why they are now, I don't know. Uh, Well, I do know it's a lot of it's garbage, but that's the kind of stuff that people need to understand when these ratings come into play. It's not that they were switching channels. That's part of why those ratings are the way they are. But it's also because there were really that many people watching wrestling at that time due to the competition. Well, and and we'll get to an interesting rating here in a second. I have Mm -hmm. uh, six weeks of ratings here. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, uh, there's there's a concept called shared ratings. And that's a totally different podcast and subject altogether. Um, It's basically, you know, like just because you add both ratings together doesn't mean that's how many people are watching. So if you add the 2.5 to 3.3, that's not necessarily how many people was watching because people were switching at the same time. A lot of it was shared ratings, meaning they were watching WWF 10 minutes and in the next 10 minute segment, they switch over to Nitro. Um, Doesn't mean there was not a lot of people watching wrestling at this point. It was getting big here in 97. Um, Let's talk about the WWF side. On the WWF side, I gave you the June 3rd. 30th uh, uh, Monday Night War results here. I'm going to go to 7-7, July the 7th, 1997. Raw drew a 2.5. 
Nitro did a 3.4 and won the night, obviously. But the interesting thing, the night before, um, in your house, Canadian Stampede was held on 7697. And for those people who don't know that pay-per-view, that is probably from top to bottom, one of the WWF slash WWE's best pay-per-views they've ever put on. And the main event was an eight-man tag. It was the Hart Foundation. And they're in Canada, Calgary, Canada, by the way. It's Brett Owen, the British Bulldog, Jim Neidhart, and Brian Pillman against Austin, Goldust, LOD, and Ken Shamrock. And um, it was a 10-man, right? No, it was a 10-man. Damn it. It was a 10-man, yeah. But what what you're talking about, I mean, the the amount of talent in that match is just... Well, and and the thing is, is, you know, this was when Brett first was developing the I'm going to be a heel in the States and I'm going to be a face in Canada and Europe and all the other countries. And this was certification. We knew Canada obviously loved Brett and they loved the hearts, but go back just to watch this pay-per-view in your house, uh, July the 6th, 1997, just to listen to the pop that the Hart family got. And by the Hart family, I mean, Hart foundation, Brian Pillman, Jim, Davey boy, Owen and Brett, and they all got introduced individually out on the stage before they walked down together. You have it to, was right? it was deafening. We're like, in espe- freaking Canada, man. You have to do that. Especially Brett's pop was just gigantic. You know, everyone talks about Hogan pops or Austin pops when he was in his prime. This pop for Brett was just gigantic. He was a yeah. legit hero in Canada, but the character play, nobody had ever done that before. I'm going to be a heel in the United States and a face everywhere else. It worked perfect. And it mirrored Brett's real feelings about the atmosphere of wrestling at the time. Not, not to get too far off track, but would you say the closest thing to that would be, you know, Jerry Lawler in Memphis? I mean, I know it's not another country, but when he was in Memphis, he was the face, but he went everywhere else. He was the heel everywhere. I would say that's a good point. I would say that, yeah, it rivaled like the top star in the territory. That's the, the closest day. thing you could um, think of, right? And and it was just so And, and Brett's, Brett, like, would and, and the, the funny thing is, is Brett would be a heel to us because he would get on when they would do Canada's and Raw. Sure. He would talk about how crappy our health coverage was <laughs> and about how they took care of their sick and their old in Canada. And yeah. they were so much better. And the place would go nuts. It was a shot at the U.S. and And in a sense, he made the U.S. the heels as well. well. The, the Pittsburgh line was great, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, it's it's funny. It's like Brett would be a face in the or a heel in the United States, and we would be the faces, the fans. Yeah. But when he would go overseas, Brett would be the hero, and he would turn the U.S. heel. That was so special <clears throat> with Brett here. Sure. So that we were in the beginning stages of that, and it was working well. Obviously, by the how reception. Did, how did that go against speaking of Pittsburgh? He's like, if, if we want, you know, the uh, the United States of America needs an anima. And if you had to, you would stick the hose right up here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and the like place that. would go nuts. It, it was just so genius. Mind. And yeah. It was great. Bret Hart's work in 1997 uh, <laughs> was best his work, best th- work he ever did. This was his best year by mm-hmm. far. And and I've seen him do better work in the ring. And he did great work in 97, but he was fighting injuries in 97 and sure. stuff. But his promos were the best they were. <laughs> he was legitimately mad. He was really mad at the U.S. audiences for cheering bad guys like Austin and booing baby faces. Brett really didn't understand that in real life. He did not understand why in the world this U.S., this country, the U.S., uh, you know, you're just corrupt and you guys like smut and you like Jerry Springer TV. And that's what Brett hated. So he turned it into a character and it prolonged him here. Unfortunately, 
Brett's career in the WWF would come to an end at the very end of 97. But here, I mean, they just struck gold. So this is what WWF was doing in the meantime. Yes, they were losing, but they're still getting a 2.5 rating, which is not bad at all. And this pay-per-view here was one of their best pay-per-views ever, the in-house. So this was the biggest major pay-per-view before SummerSlam is why I'm talking about it. Let's go to July the 14th. Um, Raw would get a 2.6. And Nitro would win the night with the 3.5. Again, relatively the same, but it just shows you so many people are tuning in every Monday night to watch wrestling on cable at this point. Now, this is where it gets interesting. On July the 21st, Raw was unopposed. Nitro I was preempted until Tuesday, and I don't remember why. But um, because I don't think any playoffs, sports playoffs were going on. I could be wrong, but I mean I don't think so. I can look it up for you. Uh well, I mean, we're in we're in that right now. There's no basketball going on right now. There's no there's baseball, but no playoffs in baseball. Could, so, it could have been baseball. Maybe a big game? No, not even that. There's no playoffs right now. Yeah, but TNT, right? Or, was it TNT? Yeah, well, he, they had playoffs on there, but the playoffs aren't right or now. Turn Network with the Braves, maybe. But, I mean, there's no playoffs right now. No. Playoffs aren't until October. I don't know. I just uh, I, don't, I don't know why. So, so yeah. So, uh, Nitro was unopposed for whatever reason. I'm That's sure weird. somebody will Google it right now. Nitro but, was unopposed or Raw was unopposed? Uh, Raw was unopposed, oh, okay. but Nitro was moved to Tuesday. So, here's what That's Monday weird. Night Raw got on Monday night, July the 21st. They got a 4.1. Think about that for a minute. They were unopposed in 4.1. Now, first of all, that set a USA record at the time besides the primetime wrestling days where everything was bigger. For And then once they got more cable channels, ratings got smaller because there's more choices. Um, so a 4.1 was massive for 1997. Now, that showed me this. The losing company in the war, who was losing for about a year up to this point, drew a 4.1 unopposed. That shows me that the wrestling audience was healthy. And that wrestling fans wanted, they were just choosing WCW over WWF when they went head to head. But when WWF ran unopposed, they still tuned in. A 4.1 is a great rating. Nitro, the next night on Tuesday, July the 22nd, a 3.7. So Nitro was drew a 3.7 on a Tuesday, which was a non-wrestling day. night. That's day. still amazing. So both Raw... 4.1 on Monday, the very next night, Nitro 3.7. But what is telling right there is that people were liking what they saw in the WWF. Enough to the fact that people who normally chose Nitro, you would think, oh, they hated WWF and they would just not watch altogether. Nope. They wanted to watch uh, Raw because Brett's storyline, Austin was getting huge. There was a lot of things that WWF was starting to get right on the other channel. And that's really important. Let's go to July the 28th. Uh, Monday Night Raw, 2.9. They're getting close to a 3.0. Nitro would win the night with a 3.4. So Raw's closing the gap with a 2.9. A 2.9 is a fucking great cable rating. So it's kind of amazing. And then we're going to go to August 4th, which was the day after SummerSlam 1997. Raw only got a 2.7 to Nitro's 4.3. And let me tell you why Nitro got a 4.3 that night on August the 4th. And this was planned, folks. Um, obviously, it wasn't planned. It was planned, but not planned. And I'll tell you why. This Nitro on uh, August the 4th, 1997, was the 100th episode of Nitro. And it was a three-hour-long Nitro. And the main event was Hulk Hogan versus Lex Luger. And this is where Lex Luger cleanly defeated Hulk Hogan in the Torture Act to win the WCW Heavyweight Championship. Um, I don't remember their exact rating for that match, but that match was like a five point something. Um, So WCW was on fire here. So yeah, Raw was on the losing end of the six weeks of ratings that we just covered, but like it was still 
I mean, just think about the two cable ratings, the two shows. It's pretty amazing the ratings numbers they were both. And just you, you may have searched it, but there, there really is. Everyone says no one says why Nitro was preempted on that. I one don't before. know why. Maybe it was an award show. I, yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> Red carpet, bro. Just kidding. I don't know. Yeah, it could have been like the People's Choice Awards or something. I have no clue. My, my wife could tell us. Yeah. What what, what runs in July, honey? Uh, uh, she did, she's not here right now. The Living Single Reunion. Uh, <laughs> we <she> are living. <laughs> So that's kind of like the six week synopsis leading up. I told you a little bit of what WCW was doing and what uh, WWF was um, doing at the time. So I'm going to go over the SummerSlam card real quick before we get into the watch along. Good card when you really look at um, it, right? The uh, opening match was Mankind uh, defeating Triple H in a steel cage, the old blue steel cage. Oh, uh, Mankind would drop an elbow from the top rope, kind of like what Superfly did at the time when he. So, so was that the last time they used all blue? Uh, pretty much, yeah, yeah right. pretty much, right? That thing was unforgiving. Man. It was, uh, it was a time when mankind was experimenting with coming out as dude love and stuff like that. But it was, was a, that thing was a nightmare. For and Triple H and mankind had a good feud going into this. And this Triple H was starting now. He was not being punished anymore for the curtain call. This was a year later, so they were trying to really push him. And I, I, he had China at the time here too, so China was still new. Can I just say I hate to get hung up on the ring on the uh, the, the steel cage as a kid. I love the big blue steel cage because if you compare it to WCW's like shitty looking chain link, it, it looks so good. And that's why they use it. But oh my gosh, the wrestlers like hated it, which you didn't know because that thing did not budge. Yeah. The main reason why they did the blue cage was for TV visibility yeah. and for the big guys back at the time. Hulk and Bundy were the first match to have it at Mania 2. And they can easily climb it. Well, they were both, Bundy was 400 pounds and Hulk was three. Yeah. So they needed this, you know, these, not these tiny little holes in the chain link fence. They needed big squares to get the big fat boots, big fat and steroid bucks (laughs) to get up there (laughs) to climb up over the cage. So that's why. And they just stuck with it for a long time. But yeah, it didn't have any give. So people were getting hurt on it. They were trying to ram their faces in it. It's pretty much smooth rebar. Yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. And so it was just, yeah, it was just really bad on people. So this was the last time you would see the big blue cage. But Mankind defeated Triple H in the opening bout, which was a cage match. A, a pretty good match, actually. That's what it set it off. Uh, Goldust defeated Brian Pillman. Um, LOD defeated the Godwins. The British Bulldog defended his European championship by defeating Ken Shamrock by disqualification. This actually match was also notable, too, because they were really just starting to push Shamrock, who had been the special referee against Austin and Brett at Mania 13. Um Go and watch the end of this match because the match itself was lame. Uh, and the loser would have to eat dog food, by the way, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Just stupid. And uh, so Jerry da- Springer, bro. Davy Boy, I think, used a chair and lost by disqualification and hit Shamrock. And then he shoved dog food in Shamrock's mouth. And this is where Shamrock developed the snap where he would snap and he would belly to belly referees and all that stuff. And it was a really cool scene. You know, we always talk about these moments, these organic moments. This is another one. Go back and watch the end of that. This is what got Shamrock over. Like he was just figuring out the WWF atmosphere here. He had already had that stiff match against Vader right after WrestleMania 13, where they kind of really punched shit out of each other. And they were trying to get Shamrock over. Well, but this really showed that Shamrock actually had a lot of gifts in the ring. He really understood pro wrestling because he kind of originally broke into pro wrestling before MMA. But um, it's a little known fact. When I was doing research on him at one of our bios, I was looking at that. Wow, Shamrock really did. Yeah, Shamrock knows pro wrestling. Yeah, he and knows, so yeah, he knows. they did this scene where after Bulldog lost by GQ, the ref, all the refs filled the ring and tried to stop him from attacking. He put Bulldog in the ankle lock and wouldn't let go. And then and then he started belly to belly suplexing all these refs. And then like the place went nuts for him. And like this is a New Jersey crowd, so they'll shit on you if you suck. And the place actually started going nuts for Shamrock. And so it was the first 
time where Shamrock snapped and you see this organic moment. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, again, Shamrock just just learned his character. Well, you know, and, and, you know, part of that, too, is the fact that Shamrock himself is a legitimate tough guy. I mean, and there, at well, I mean, time, he was an MMA star. Yeah, he, yeah, he could legitimately hurt you, probably kill you if he wanted to. I mean, he's one of those guys. Right. And that's the thing where once you really see him snap like that, even though it is kayfabe in character, I think that's something the crowd is really digging for. Like, what can Ken Shamrock really do except for really put someone in an armbar and break their arm off, right? Yeah. When he starts getting into that kind of possibility. They would slowly, they would let him work yeah. an actual pro wrestling match to make you forget that he could really fight. And then, and then, and then he would do his character. He would he snap. Would snap. And That's then people awesome. loved it. So it was really good. Uh, the Los Pariquas defeated the DOA, which I fucking hated the gang warfare period in WWF. I hated this shit so much. There are factions. I, I even hated the nation. Everyone loves their theme music. Be honest. Be honest. Everyone's like, dude, nation was badass. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. Their theme music was badass. And they only got badass when The Rock became a uh, member. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. No, yeah, that's, that's the truth. That's, all, that's the all absolute true. truth. So nation sucked overall in the beginning. and their But their music was awesome. And when The Rock joined, they got cool and funny. Like, that's the only reason why. Oh, and The Rock and joined. And DX making cool fun of them was also funny. Yeah. Um, so that's the only reason why. It, it, so so people get off your shit. The nation was awesome. No, it wasn't. Fuck you. Fucking suck. Um, then we have Steve Austin defeating Owen Hart for the Intercontinental Championship, which we will watch in a second. And then in the main event, Brett the Hitman Hart defeated The Undertaker to win the WWF Heavyweight Championship with Shawn Michaels as a special guest referee. Winning it for the fifth time, Bret Hart did, tying Hulk Hogan's record at the time for five WWF championship wins. And then after that, they traded the belt back and forth every fucking week or whatever. And it doesn't whoa, really hey, anymore. whoa. Fucking like Orton's like 25-time champion or some shit. I don't remember. Um, so that's that was a SummerSlam card. So we're going to get into a specific match, like I said at the beginning of the show. Owen Hart defending his Intercontinental Championship against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, cue up your fucking uh, networks to yeah. one hour. 39 minutes and 42 seconds. Give everybody a second to pull your pants up because you were stroking. And while, and while you're bringing that up, because we'll give you a few minutes to do that. I One hour, 39 minutes, 42 seconds. Yeah. So while you're doing that, do you think, um, speaking of Wharton, you brought it up. He's in a SummerSlam match coming up in a couple of days. No, by think, the time people hear this, they would have already seen it. Well, I just want to put it on the line because as we're recording it, we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe nobody believes that we're recording it, Dave, that far in advance. Well, one of us is going to disagree, no? Oh, yeah. I'll put it out there. Or- Orton, I'm going to say Orton's going to win. I say both he's going to win. Yeah, you're probably right, but I really hope. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna put it out there. I would like Orton to win, but Kofi's going to win. Uh, and, and, you know, while you guys are still digging, I know it takes time to dig on this network, so you don't have to pause. We're just going to fuck around for a minute. Did you see... And maybe you didn't, Jess. If you if you didn't see this, guys, you need to go back and see this. I know a lot of people aren't a big fan of watching SmackDown on certain days or whatever. And, but there's a God, the production value of WWE is on match right now because there's no one that can touch it. There's no other federation. And they did this work with Orton talking about Kofi. I heard that was good. Oh, it's freaking fire. And when you watch it, <clears throat> when I watch it, I believe like or you may it makes you believe Orton's gonna win. That's how good it is. You just don't watch and, SmackDown, but it, even though SmackDown was pretty good last week, is better than most. You need to watch that segment. Find it on YouTube. Find it somewhere, dude. Just I haven't it. watched the whole thing, but I heard everybody saying it's really good. Yeah. Well, because Orton. And I don't know what you're talking about. AEW is going to be better in production Ooh. value. They're going to put WWE out of business. They're going to do it. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see. I hope it's good competition. I truly do. Because we're talking about competition right now covering this match. So mm-hmm. I hope everybody has their shit powered up. Their network to one hour, 39 minutes and 42 seconds. And we're going to hit play when I count down uh, three. 
uh, two and a motherfucking one hit play. It's got an overshot of the arena right now. Uh, 20,000 people here for SummerSlam. So when they boast about selling the Staples Center out uh, with 18,000, it's because they pull the fucking stage forward. So because the Staples Center, when it sold out, holds about 20,000 people. By the way, Owen's bringing out his slammies. I love that. Yeah, Owen is walking the ring right now with his Intercontinental Championship belt and his slammies. And uh, I love Owen. Everybody heard me cry like a fucking baby on the uh, Owen Hart episode. I don't care what anybody says. He's fantastic. And uh, here he was a great heel. And I'm glad that he got a chance to have a run with the IC title because Brett was getting the spotlight, obviously, kind of in the main part of the card. And then and, and, deser- and deservedly so. Of I course. Yeah, I'm not saying that Brett didn't deserve it. I'm just saying that, you know, it was cool to see Owen here with a singles championship. Just clarifying. Owen holding the belt up with his victory. Oh, and I forgot to tell everybody the stipulation on this match was obviously if Owen lost, he lost his belt. But if Steve Austin lost, he would have to kiss Owen's ass live on television. Is he like trying to loosen the turmoil there? How yes, is he that? is. Oh, and this is awesome, by the way. So back here, they're showing a backstage uh, uh, in the halls of the arena, Austin walking through the curtain. <laughs> and bitch-ass skinny Michael Cole is trying to interview him, and Austin keeps pushing him away. All 98 pounds of him. I'm going to tell everyone after we do the watch along here on your own private time to pull your pants up. And then also to go back here and watch with the sound on this whole entrance here of Stone Cold. Because it's really classic. This is behind the scenes. They're showing behind the arena right now. Austin walking to the curtain where he's going to walk out. He's drinking a bottle of water and he dumps on his head. Gotta hydrate. This pop here, I remember watching this live on pay-per-view when I was younger, obviously. Um, And when I heard this pop, I was like, this guy's a star. Like, this is a star pop when he walks out. When you hear the glass break and he walks out. All 20,000 people are on their feet for him. Like, he is over, like, fucking Rover at this point. Like, and he hadn't even won the heavyweight title yet. It, the, the match that Brett and him had at Mania 13 did absolute <laughs> wonders for this character. The double turn worked perfectly. And, like, yeah, this place is going nuts right now. And Austin's coming out here. And, like, uh, this is fucking awesome. Like, this place is going bonkers. And he gets on the rope here. Everyone's standing. And this was not even a, the loudest pop he would ever get. It's just no. when when I first heard it and he flips, <laughs> he flips someone off. I love this here, though. I love that they did this right here. They don't show it because cameraman suck. But uh, Owen hit him from behind. <laughs> oh, look at Hebner in there. All oh, the classics. Hebner, you traitor. Immediately, you Owen, Owen, because he's such a technician. You he's traitor. Working, he's working the leg immediately because... Owen wears those braces. I'm sorry. Uh, well, but Stone it was Cole a good story. Braces. Like, yeah. first of all, yeah, he has the braces, so he went after the knee. But then it was like Austin would always kind of jump his opponent as well or, you know, kind of so, be the rattlesnake. You so know? Owen so, beat him to it. Right? Yes, yeah, so Owen beat him to it. So it's a really good start to this match. Good psychology. Austin selling and Austin the is, Yeah, he's selling the shit out of it, but I'm still going to punch you in the face. I love it. Even though Owen's getting hit in the face, he's still attacking the knee. It's all It's all strategic at this point. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's Austin's classic Luthes press. Yeah. My right hand's not even touching. I swear to God. It doesn't you matter. Know, this is way before, though, the the camera shake and the camera zoom like they do now, which I can't stand. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Like, that's the biggest part Can of it. When, when Owen and Brett hit the hit the turnbuckle with their chest, I, I swear to God, it's, it looks so painful. Yeah. Can I oh. say that I hate that fact about Kevin Kelly now and about Raw? I hate the shake. Kevin Kelly's the producer, right? Am I saying his name right? You're Kevin, no more than somebody. I, would, right? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It's bullshit. But there was like a guy who used to work for them. I don't remember. Anyway, so the stupid Kevin Dunn. There we go. 
the stupid producer Kevin Dunn, he does the he's the one who introduced the <laughs> zoom in, zoom out really fast camera accuracy. <laughs> and you know, nowadays on Raw, when someone punches someone, they change the angles nine hundred times. Yeah, I cannot stand that about Raw. But back here, that did not happen. It was just clean camera shots. They barely changed angles. When someone punched someone, they did not zoom in and zoom out the camera in a rapid fashion. It was just a really clean fucking wrestling match. And we just I, had the replay where Owen uh, uh, jumped uh, Stone Cold from behind when we missed the angle. But now Austin is working the arm. Now he's working the knuckles. You know, and a lot of people said, too, that after this match, you know, we obviously know the injury that's going to happen later. Um that it was it, Austin went towards more of a brawling style. I think Austin went more towards a brawling style when he became Stone Cold in general. Before That's he got, true. Before he got dropped on his head. I think he got sick of being called a mechanic. I mean, everybody talks about that. He got well, you can still be a mechanic that. and be a brawler. Well, sure. Look but at I, look at Mick Foley, Terry Funk. But you know, there's a thing about Stone Cold that you can you can talk about it good or bad while you want. Stone Cold was so much about going against the grain. Even when you know an example that he really demanded to go heel. And he and he shouldn't have, right? We all know that. We talked about going heel with Big Man. It shouldn't have happened. It was one of the worst heel runs that you could think of at that at that level. But he's so adamant about going against the grain. I'm not a mechanic. I'm not this. And to your point, he goes into a brawling style. Um, but even right here, he's still doing amazing work. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's a face poking the heel in the eye. That shouldn't happen. That was a righty piper. That's just where you are. That's where you are in this generation. I mean, well, Hulk used to rake backs too. Yeah, sure. That was a righty piper move. You know. Hogan Hogan tested the lines and Stone Cold walked right over him when it comes to a face doing heel tactics. But Stone Cold was still winning by any means necessary. But. And I miss wrestling back here because these guys called it in the ring. Not that all matches that are called in the ring are great because we've all talked Macho about didn't. Well, yeah. we talked about scripted matches that are just sure. as good. But I mean, yeah. like these guys are pros. They they probably talked about this match beforehand, the certain spots is. they wanted to do. And they just were calm with each other. The reversals just, are great. Well, they let each other oh, do their moves. Wow. They they knew when when, like, when Austin picked him up right there to slam him, uh, Owen knew, I'm going to bump. And so it was just kind of like they weren't rushing each other. They weren't scared. They weren't, you know, a lot of guys are young now, and I hate to say it. Or they're brought up from the independents. It's one thing to bring up a, uh, you know, the independent flavor of the day and bring him up there. Because he's, you know, a big star in front of, you know, six, seven hundred, a thousand people. And that's fine. That's great. I'm not saying that's bad. But when you get on this big level here and you have to work a match, first of all, you're working towards three levels of people in a 20,000 seat arena. So you got to calm the fuck down. Yeah. You got to relax, take every bump, bump properly, uh, do everything you're supposed to do and tell the story. And uh, and that's what these guys are doing here. I mean, it's it's fucking Owen Hart and Steve Austin. I don't know how you can get two better pros in here. Oh, it's amazing. Despite of what happens at the end. I don't yeah. know how you can get um, two better pros in here. Well, I was going to say part of, Part of calling it in the ring and, and having a feel for it is prop, what you can argue is what causes the injury to begin with. Now, that's, and I hate to say it, Jess, it, when it comes to the top levels, when it comes to the machine, that's probably why you'll never see a match going in by the fields again because they're afraid of injury, right? Well, and, and forget competition. You know, it, it, it wrestling, the atmosphere of wrestling <laughs> has definitely changed since 2001, 2002 because of the lack of competition. But there was also a lot to be said about the territories before that. Because each territory was a totally different style. The South was way different from the North. You know, West Coast was way different style of worker than the East Coast worker. You know, uh, Deep South was way different worker than the New York style. 
And, and you don't have that anymore. Even, even when there was competition, when it was just down to WWF and WCW, you had two different companies, but they weren't territories. Like, but even then there was totally different. Well, they were full of people from the territories because they were still getting people from the territories as territories were dying. Can you think of how many matches in WCW were, were um, disqualified because they threw somebody over the top rope? In WWF, that happened on a daily basis. <laughs> Austin he's, been bite, he's been biting. Owen his is biting his middle finger. Yeah, he's been biting Austin's finger like for the last five minutes. But that's what I'm saying. Like in WCW, if you threw someone over the top rope, you were disqualified. In WWF, it happened on it happened in almost every match. You get thrown yeah. over the top. It, even that's not even territories, right? Yeah, it's even just, just a company difference. It's just yeah. different. Yeah, and the ring was different. WWF had a actual a nineteen bit, by nineteen. Yeah, and WCW I think was seventeen by seventeen. The ring it makes was smaller. a huge difference. A huge difference. Yeah. Let's not even get started with the six-sided. I always thought that the WCW mat was harder, but everybody would say the WWF mat was harder back here. When Jim Ross became uh, head of talent relations, two complaints he got. One was he they, people wanted him to change the blue steel cage because they thought it was sure. too hard. The second one was like, make the mat a little softer. This match is super hard. And as a fan, and I would watch WCW, I thought WCW's mat was super hard. I feel like they amped it up or something. Oh, a little power. But I guess the WWF mat this whole time. And then I guess when Vince took a bump on his own mat for the first time, that's when Vince is like, you need to make the mat softer, pal. Like, he finally realized like, oh my God, this shit's hard. So I had no idea that the WWF mat was harder. If you watched it as a fan, I always thought WCW's mat was harder, but I guess not. That's not true. Was Owen leaving here? Well, the classic he'll move. No one's had enough. He's leaving. He's like, fuck this. I want the title. Get your ass back here. It's a classic heel move. Well, they're changing. (laughs) They're changing views here. You know, it's not just a straight wrestling match on the inside. They're going on the outside. They're giving the fans a different backdrop, if that makes sense. (laughs) So, so like if you walked away for a second, for 30 seconds to get a beer, go to the bathroom and you come back. Oh, fuck. Now they're on the outside. Oh, shit. Like, you know, I mean, like it gave a different dimension to the match. They really thought this match out. They're taking their time with it. This was the match that it was, they were going to crown Steve with the IC belt, the second biggest title, and really see what the Stone Cold character looked like with the belt and how he acted as champion. If the crowd really liked him as champion, you know, like it's it's. Look at him here, true. Owen. Owen pleading for for a, for a timeout for help. He's a fucking. Heel. This is this is classic, classic psychology here. <laughs> no. And Stone Cold is now stomping the shit out of Owen Hart, and he's brought with him. He's going to throw him under the ropes. We got a reversal by Owen. Oh, oh, belly to belly suplex by Owen. God, Owen was good. Oh, man. So for those of you not watching along right now, like, uh, again, the Mm. feel here, you know, this, he had already wrestled Bret Hart, Owen's older brother at WrestleMania um, earlier that year, had the classic submission match where Austin passed out because he bled and the classic scene where he's trying to get out of the sharpshooter, but blood's pouring down his face. That, I mean, set Austin on fire, his character. And for the rest of that time between, you know, then and here, um, they really nurtured Austin. And, and, you know, he would just try to get to Brett. And there was cool shit where Brett was in a wheelchair because he had knee surgery. And Austin would come out and try to attack him in the wheelchair and all that stuff. Just really good stuff. The Raw was so, like, was getting really innovative here. And again, like I said earlier, they were losing in the ratings. But they were starting to really catch fire with some of these storylines. It takes a while. You know, nowadays they try to hot shot shit. You know, they have Undertaker and Brock and The Rock in one episode, and Raw goes from a 2.4 to a 2.7, and they're like, yeah, oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's one week. Back here, they were actually trying to just build. If yeah. one week they got a 2.4 and the next week they had a 2.3, that did not mean they were doing bad. It just meant keep going. 
Then the week after that, they get 2.5. All right, keep going. Then then we get a 2.4 next week. Keep going. As long as you're not losing major ground, you're fine. Like, you know, and they had competition back then. So could 100,000 people tune over to Nitro? Sure. Because they had all the stars on Nitro here. NWO was hot. They had Hogan. They had Savage. They had Sting. They had Luger. They had the Giant. They had Hall. They had Nash. They had the young guys like Benoit and, and Mysterio and Malenko oh and Guerrero and Jericho. They the, had, you know, I'm sorry, the pair, the pair of clotheslines that Stone Cold and Owen just laid on each other were just ridiculous. So snug, bro. Yeah, these guys are still going at it here. It's a, it's a good match. It's a very good match up here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going for a cover now, and uh, obviously. And this is when WWF is starting to get back to storyline. Unfortunately, and which is the case most often, good in-ring product is fine, but it won't necessarily win a battle between two companies or even gain a mainstream audience. Mm -hmm. What gains the mainstream audience is characters and storylines. And you got to hope the two wrestlers involved in the storyline or the four, if it's a tag team, oh, can wrestle person. well, you know, and that's just, that's the thing. You have to have good workers, but you also have to have good, <clears throat> good characters, good actors in there. Good people that can portray. <sighs> oh, fuck. Just goddamn uh, German suplex. Yeah, by German, yeah. For a pin and, and reversals are going crazy right now. I mean, before that Owens, now Owens put him into a submission. Oh, game. I'm going to humble you like the Aaron uh-huh. Chief. Camel, uh, clutch. camel clutch for you. But Owen, Owen did a full body press on on Stone Cold earlier, and Stone Cold rolls that into a reversal for a pin. I mean, just stuff that people, I think, take for granted today. You don't see this anymore. You see all those. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I'm in. Well, now they're in a wear down hold, quote unquote, wear down hold. But they're slowing it down. If you sell the wear down hold, like it hurts. There was a what was a spot? I know people shit on the WrestleMania match with Batista and Triple H, but the the moments where he was like, you know, pulling his piercings out and all that stuff or whatever. Oh, it's all breathers, dude. Right? But yeah, they for, were totally resting. They yeah. were totally resting. Yeah. Or the one uh, earlier in the year, or maybe it was late last year, where uh, or. Orton uh, put the screwdriver into Hardy's uh, piercing and twisted it. It was told they were all resting. Like and Hardy was fine, by the way. Not oh yet. yeah, like and that's that's what the beauty of wrestling. But I still for both oh. things. Nice little DDT by Owen. I mean, I cringe a little bit because it, it looks like it hurts. You know, it doesn't. But I was like, ooh, twisting that skin around on a screwdriver looks incredibly painful. You know, I just I thought. It was and by, if you listen to the, the the match with the sound up, Stone Cold was so over here. Like people were chanting when he's in a wear to hold right here, people start chanting Austin. And like, he was just that you knew he was the fucking, he was the guy here and he was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like I said, I cannot stress how much the, the Brett feud did for him and how good Brett was with him. And Austin had to equally be as good for sure. But I mean, that was like, you know, after he won King of the ring in 96, you know, they tried to throw him in there with Michaels and they won the tag titles or whatever. Hearts made him. But, but I mean, like, I, 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 can I fucking say it for a second? Like, uh, people give – Michaels is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But, like, Brett was, like, so underappreciated when it comes to that. Like, Brett made – you know, uh, it shows the difference. Michaels had the chance to make Austin in 96 but couldn't do it because Michaels is selfish and he only thought of it himself. But Brett helped make Austin in 97 because Brett's like, it's only going to make me a bigger heel if he gets a bigger baby face reaction. So like Brett knew that and, and Michael's just didn't Michael's is more about like what, what, what reaction am I getting? 
And that's why I've never cared for Michaels. And I cannot dis- dispute what a great talent well, he is. I mean, I, I hate to get into it, but ask yourself a question. Other than Triple H. He is a piece of shit. You're right, Dave. Thank yeah. you for agreeing with me. There and, you go. Well, I was just saying, other than Triple H, who did Michaels really build up? And even then, you can argue Triple H was. I don't even know if he built own. Triple H. He yeah. built it up on his own. Yeah, Triple H just kind of does it on his yeah. own. But uh, you, you can make the argument for Triple H. But other than that, who did Michaels really help until he got out of wrestling? Because when he got out of wrestling, you can talk about when, when he like came back Daniel in two thousand two. Like yes, yeah, so when he came back in two thousand two, Michaels started putting people over. But I don't even know if he really built anybody to be honest. Like, I mean, like Brett really understood talent and how to put people over. And Brett knew again, like I said before, that the bigger Austin gets as a face. Um, the bigger I'll be as a heel, as his antagonist. And like, it's just, Michaels didn't get that in 96. You know, Vince, it's so funny. Vince always sided with fucking Sean and Just never Brett. And you always shit on Brett. And I don't know what the, I don't know why. Like, you know, and, and Sean would always be the one in the background on making a lot of noise with chips. And I don't care. Oh, fuck We're it. watching a match. But um, by the way, I mean, uh, they're back in another wear down hold. I mean, Owen's choking out uh, Stone Cold, getting to the ropes for some leverage because he's a true heel. And uh, Stone Cold is selling the shit out of it because he's that good. And uh, Owen gets away from it. And then you give uh, Heaven a chance to look to make sure everything's legal beagle. And as soon as he turns again, Owen's going to go back to it because he's. Both guys wrestling and talking to each other here. Which yeah. is fine. Which and is they're fine. talking to Hebner. Hebner, you yeah. can look now. I'm not on the ropes right now. I mean, you know, they're talking. It's all good. But you don't know that. But when they get back up and they start picking the action up, the crowd's going to be even hotter. Yep, Owen's, Owen's taking advantage again. Second row. Yeah, get some leverage on that headlock. Oh, no, shit. Hebner caught you. Get your foot off the ropes. Now we got Owen arguing with Hebner, which the crowd's going to go ape shit because Stone Cold's going to take advantage. Punch right in the face, right hand, right hand, and a right hand. Now we're going to the ropes. Owen's going to take a little... Oh, here it is. Oh, this is it. This oh, is it. God. They're doing reversal and Owen. Oh, God. So Fuck. brutal. Those For those not watching, this is where Owen drops him right on his head. But you can see uh, Stone Cold can barely move his arms. One finger is like straight and the other fingers are limp. And Well, and you see right away Owen knew. Well, well, Stone Cold said, get, basically said, get the fuck away from yeah. me. And Hebner's like, uh, what's going on? Is it just and you see, time? you know, normal people would be going for cover right now, but Owen knew that Austin could not kick out at this point. Um, and Austin was supposed to win the match. Now, people would, people today would be like, why didn't they just, Owen just pin him? Well, it's not, people have to understand that Austin was on his meteoric rise here. And there's no way Austin's character would have recovered if Owen would have just pinned him. Like, so basically, like, they had to try to give Austin some time here to recoup and get some feeling back to himself. So, you oh, know, Owen, to Canada yeah, he's right walking now. around he's trying to get time. people throughout Canada and, and kiss my ass. Yeah, he'll yeah. kiss my ass. But now you can see Stone Cold's turning over and Hebner's like, dude, get the fuck away. He's not ready yet. And so Owen's going to buy some more time. He's buying some hill work. He's telling everybody to fuck off, basically. And Hebner's probably telling him here right now, like he's hurt really bad. But now Austin is barely crawling up behind the weakest schoolboy ever. And one, two, three, and Austin wins. And the crowd still goes bonkers, by the way. But people knew, I would say like a good 30, 40% of the crowd knew something bad was wrong here. Yeah, you can tell they cheer, but they're also like, they're happy. But they're So like, the ref's giving Austin the belt here. Man, but you could tell that Austin is in a bad way. And Owen is just like trying to sell it. But Owen, you could tell like, because he's a good person in real life, that he was really upset that he hurt Austin here. 
So I'm going to describe the move here. I've done it before. We did it on the Austin episode. They did a, a spot where uh, Jesus Owen picked him up for a tombstone pile driver. Yep. Austin reversed him, like in a cartwheel kind of fashion, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then so Austin got him up in the tombstone, and then Owen reversed it. But instead of Owen falling forward on his knees like it, the Undertaker, he fell backwards. It like almost looked like Austin driver. was going for a tilt world. Yeah. And then and Owen reversed that and put him into a reverse pile driver. Yeah. So what happened was, and you, if you read Austin's book, he said he talked to Owen before the match. And Owen's like, yeah, I want to do this spot where we kind of just reverse out of a tombstone. And then Austin's like, okay, cool. Then you're going to fall forward. And Owen goes, no, I'm going to fall on my ass. And Austin said, I laughed. And I looked at Owen and I said, but seriously, you're going to fall forward, right? And he's like, no, I, I do it falling on my ass. But because Owen was a famous ribber, ribber meaning prankster, mm-hmm. um, Austin thought he was kidding. So when they get to the match, uh, Owen falls on his ass and Austin was not ready for it. And Austin head was sticking about six inches mm-hmm. out from Owen's thighs. And Owen just sat right on, oh, excuse me, right on his The fact head. that he could even pick his feet up from here to there with two reps under yeah. him is amazing considering what happened to how he compressed his neck the way he did. And he's looking his hand up, which is great news. And now they're showing on the replay here. Before we stop, just watch this. See, it's a tilt whirl And uh, nope, I'm reversing it. And his head's way too low. Uh, oh. And there's something to be said here too, Jess. We talked about it before we started recording. What a lot of people didn't know is that <clears throat> everyone said Austin broke his neck here. He technically did not break his neck. He compressed no. everything. And everybody, you can stop your networks here if you yeah. want. You can keep them playing if you want to, but you can stop it here if you want to. Uh-huh. Um, we are done with the watch along portion. So what Dave is saying here is true. Um, you know, they sold it on WWE TV that Austin broke his neck or whatever, but he didn't. He bruised his spine, which does not sound as violent, but it so totally bad. is. It's horrible. It's uh, he already had bad neck injuries, and then he bruised his spine. He had a stinger. He had temporary paralysis when he was laying in the middle of the ring. This was, you know, go and read Austin's book. He describes it in great detail about how he, uh, you know, he thought he was paralyzed. All he could think of was Christopher Reeves at that point when he was in the ring because Christopher Reeves just had gotten bucked off that horse and couldn't move. And Superman was paralyzed. I don't mean that to be funny, but it's true. Um, what I did was I pulled this little excerpt uh, from the internet and it was, uh, there's this uh, place on Facebook and you can probably, I think it's a website too. It's called pro wrestling stories. It's pretty cool. And um, they put together uh, quotes from Austin, from Owen and from Brett and from Vince um, on this event. And I'm just going to go over it too. At the bottom, like Dave said, it said, side note, despite what is often reported, Stone Cold Steve Austin did not actually break his neck during this match. Austin himself has cleared this up numerous times on his podcast. He actually bruised his spinal column and had temporary paralysis. Um, that is still pretty fucking major. And it altered Austin's career forever. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to go here and start talking about it. So this is from the mouth of Owen Hart himself. The crowd was right there, right where we wanted them. Everything yeah. was perfect. Without a doubt. Oh my I, God. I could do no wrong. Um, everything <laughs> Steve did, the crowd responded Until to. Until you did. Sorry. Well, yeah, right. Everything Steve did was uh, the crowd responded to. He was a fan favorite and I was the bad guy. It's like having a dance partner. You go out there and you do your stuff and everything is going well. And then all of a sudden, in a split second, and he snaps his fingers They in this interview. Yeah. Uh, Stone Cold said, they're not in the same room, by the way. These are just excerpts. Stone Cold said, I remember we went to the pile driver deal. I picked him up and then we reversed it. And then he picked me up. 
Owen picked up here and said, I saw his neck. There was a bit of a push and an impact on my thighs, and his neck is so vulnerable. I knew that Steve had a bad neck prior to this match going in the ring. He'd, um, he had a trapped nerve for a while, which is like a pinched nerve, Yeah. Um, for a few months. It was really bugging him. Even if you just shoved him from behind, his neck uh, kinked, and he would get lightning bolts of pain. Oh, God. Stone Cold said, my head was about, I don't know, six or eight inches below the bottom of Owen's legs or thighs, and he jumped and spiked me. Owen yeah. then said, I dropped them on his head. The match went from utopia to hell in one second. Yeah. I knew right then something was wrong. Stone Cold then said, and again, these are not, they're not in the same room here. Sure. Uh, Stone Cold then said, as soon as my head hit the mat, I was thinking Christopher Reeve because I thought I was never going to walk again, ever. I couldn't feel anything from my neck down. Owen then said, uh, he said, I can't feel my fingers to the ref. All of a sudden, my first concern became he's paralyzed. Uh, that 20 seconds felt like forever. Slow yeah. motion, you know? What do you do? It looks like forever. Yeah. Do I look at the promoter? or Do I tell him that this isn't part of the match? Is there a point where you got to say, what's more important, the guy's health or satisfying the crowd and the cameraman and everybody else? Stone Cold said, man, I'm laying there and now the pain is starting to set in. I couldn't use my hands yet, but I could turn over and use my forearms to crawl. It took me so long to straighten my knees out and be able to, to crawl. But there was actually no way I was going to lay there and let some ambulance or a bunch of paramedics carry me out of that ring. And then finally, I can start using my hands. I hit him with the roll-up, which looked like shit. And then Owen said, my two-year-old daughter could have rolled me up better. He didn't have the strength to do anything else. He grabbed me and pulled me down and pinned me. One, two, three. And then Stone Cold would say, it took about three referees to pull me to my feet. I grabbed the belt. I held it up in the air, and when I look back at the footage, if you look at my eyes, the lights are on, but nobody's home. I'm pretty fucked up, and I'm really hurt, but I did it. Owen then said, it's shocking to me. I felt terrible. I didn't want to hurt a guy. Probably it's just hindsight now, but I never would apologize to him knowing that this would happen. I certainly didn't mean for it to happen. I felt terrible that it did. Stone Cold would say, I remember going to the back. I sat down on a bench, and I was in a world of hurt. And I was confused. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. When you come that close to almost being paralyzed the rest of your life, it really fucks your head up. And I just remembered that I had this intense burning pain in my interior delts. It felt like fire. That would last for about two weeks. After about two weeks, it kind of turned into a really dull itch and then finally went away. By that point, the MRIs and x-rays and visiting about three or four doctors, I was basically out of the ring for three to four months. Then this is from Bret Hart, Owen's older brother. When we went home from the pay-per-view, I told Owen, you got to call him. You got to call Stone Cold. And Owen went home and never called. He forgot, which is odd. That, that's I, You know what? Before you keep going, I don't think that's true. I don't, well, think, he, I don't think he forgot. And Brett continued to say when Owen went home, he was all about his family and didn't think about wrestling. Once he left the arena, I don't think he handled that well. And I think that it did change the relationship between Steve and Owen. I, uh, I think Steve was always a little bit pissed off that Owen didn't seem to care that he hurt him. Stone Cold would then say, Owen almost paralyzed me. He called me only once to apologize while I was in the hospital. If I so, almost, he, so he did call him? Once. Hmm. If I almost broke Owen's neck, or someone's neck, if I almost broke someone's neck, I'm calling them about 25 times to apologize. Owen, people, they don't know. They think wrestlers are superhuman. Um, that's not supposed to happen. There's got to be a catch. This is all part of the show. The guy's going to spring up and beat down the bad guy. We're not magicians. I watch it back and think there's no happy ending to this. 
Vince McMahon said that incident really bugged Steve on so many different levels. Stone Cold said, for a long time, I watched the video over and over, 20 or 30 times a day sometimes. I still I still like to watch it every now and then. These days, I watch it just to realize where I'm at. It just kind of keeps everything in perspective. I consider myself really lucky. Good point. Um, the tragic irony about this, which is what some people know, but a lot of people don't, is years prior to this match, 1992 to be precise, Austin was in Owen's shoes. Um, he did the same spot and injured Masahiro Chono in Japan in 1992. Yep. Yeah. I've seen the footage. Um, they wow. did the same reverse tombstone. Oh, Austin fell on his ass on the pile driver instead of forward and fucked Chono up. So bad to where even all the way in 1999, Chono um, had to cut his wrestling schedule down because it bothered yeah, him for so was never the same. Chono never had surgery. So he just like. I didn't know going. that. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. So it's just really an ironic twist on this. And I don't mean to bore people with that long thing, but it's just, you know, it was kind of cool to hear their perspective. And the fact that, yeah, in 1992, it's out there on the internet. I got it off Reddit um, that uh, Austin did do the same spot with Masahiro Chono in Japan on a WCW tour of Japan and uh, dropped him on his head. Wow. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, so that's crazy. You know, like, that's just crazy about how. But I guess you'd say that I'm sure Stone Cold called a bunch of times. Well, and I, uh, no, I'm sure he did. And the thing is, it's so funny because a lot of fucking assholes online, I've seen it saying, Owen, Owen dying was karma for that, which <laughs> some people like to say shit that's stunning or whatever. But uh, if you want to go that road, well, this was karma for Steve Austin for dropping Chono on his head, which, again, doesn't mean anything that I'm saying that. What? what <laughs> You know, it's this is pro wrestling. You have to think of these guys are live stuntmen doing it every day. And at the end of the day, can you imagine how think about how many spots are done by wrestlers, especially back here when they wrestled six nights a week. Right. Oh, sure. Think about how many spots they did every night and no one got hurt. Can you imagine? I mean, like, it's just it. This was a really bad situation because not only was it a serious injury, but it happened live on pay-per-view. I mean, and if you want to dig into it. More, the guy who got injured was the guy that was supposed to win clean with the stunner and one, two, three, go over and get launched in the stratosphere. I mean, you can think about a, a guy launching a 90 mile an hour fastball, hit someone in the head, it could kill him. You know, that that's just Major League Baseball. Shit sure. happens. You look at the statistics. Of how, Football. Of Steve how Young. Many, Steve of, Young. Sure. How many people get hurt to the realm of how many people, you know, um, how many times they wrestle? The percentages are probably pretty low, but um, all we see is the the tragedy of it and you know you said i mean you know i i don't want to i don't want to disparage austin's um, animosity towards owen at the time but i gotta believe that owen was so ashamed and it's been talked about owen's been so ashamed he only called him that one time and i think he was afraid to call him anymore you know i mean i just you're very correct on because that. I, I, mean, think, I think owen is owen is so good at his craft i mean I mean, in my mind, and Jess might know this more than I do, how many people has Owen ever really gotten hurt? And I think in Owen, he's Owen's, good. Owen's wife's book, uh, she said that Owen talked to her in depth about the injury. And it was just because he came from the Hart family. And Brett always boasted about how he never hurt anybody. I never hurt anybody. Yeah. And and Owen can never say that after that point. So <laughs> Owen was super embarrassed. You would think, bullshit, you still call the guy. I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you can wear Owen's shoes and really yeah. figure out, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so we'll talk about, about the aftermath. This is after SummerSlam. Uh, the injury would launch Steve Austin higher than ever imagined. Everybody knows that. The storyline would have Vince McMahon refuse to clear Austin to compete due to a liability. 
Um, this is on-screen storyline. Yeah, and they strip, this, yeah. yeah, they strip Austin of the IC belt. Each week, Steve would come out and attack someone out of frustration or stun them, and he finally stunned Vince on the September 22nd, 1997 <sighs> Raw, live from MSG. And uh, eventually and, he was cleared to wrestle, and he would he would defeat Owen Hart at Survivor Series 97 to win the IC title like he was supposed to do to begin with, with a stunner, one, two, three. Austin would go on to win the world title from Michaels at Mania 14, while Owen on that very same card would lose to Triple H in a European title match. Um, Owen would enter a feud with Ken Shamrock at the end of 98 in a series of pretty interesting matches to round out 98. Uh, then he was paired with Jeff Jarrett. They won the tag titles. At the time of his death, he was performing as the Blue Blazer under a mask. And the night that he was the night that he passed away, he was supposed to fight Godfather for the IC belt. And I don't remember where I heard this, but I think it was widely known that Owen, as the Blue Blazer, was going to win the Intercontinental Championship again. Yeah, they were going to re- um, they were going to totally repackage him. Yeah, he would win it for the third time in his career. If you know, unfortunately, and then he fell from the ceiling. So I, I mean, yeah, the aftermath, uh, even company wide. It, it helped launch Stone Cold. It helped launch everybody because the time that Stone Cold was out of the ring for that two or three months, it really made people want him. And the Vince character got to mature and grow because Vince was like, no, you can't be in there. You don't know what it's like to run a company. You can't have a liability running around. And then he stunned Vince and like it just grew. And uh, and then he ended up winning the title. And then everybody knows in 98, they ended up winning the ratings war for the first time in 83 weeks. And then it was a dogfight in 98, and then WWF just overtook them in 99. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the to put this match in a vacuum, that's everything that happened before and kind of after. Uh, any closing thoughts, Dave, here on the watch along? Did you enjoy yourself? Did well, I you, think, um, did you I think, fall asleep? No, I think, uh, when you really look at the match, and you, I, I think, Jess, when you talk about the vacuum, um, this match is a culmination of. Almost every, I don't I don't want to say that it's the nucleus, but this is kind of where everything changed. Um, and I, you know, there's so many things you can you can lay your hat on in a lot of what ifs. What if? And I know you're talking about this, but what if Stone Cold did not get injured and wasn't able to go out and stun everyone every night and just walk out and say fuck? And, and, and the storyline being held out of competition, of to, course, yeah, because to make they, the fans want him more. Because what? Yeah, because that would never would have happened. He would have gone off and defended the title for six to eight months, and yeah. then eventually gone on to his. WWF run, and maybe it would have been good. He would have been over for sure. But would it have been as good as what we had seen to actually win the ratings war? Not sure. I mean, because the things that they did were because they had to, not because they wanted to. And I I don't think people understand that. It wasn't like this was built into storyline. This was a, hey, we got a shift. Austin can't wrestle. He's not cleared. So, But can he go out and deliver a stunner? Which we always laugh. Like, how can you deliver a stunner when you're falling on your ass and your spine every night? But he did it, and guess what? The crowd ate it up, and it just launched him into that winning the IC title back. It, it just it ran into it because he was always better at the chase, which, I, which even Steve talks about. I'm better at the chase, man. So he got to chase it again, win it again, and then eventually get on to the WWE or WWF title race or the, the chase with, uh, with Sean. And who better to take it from? Because people were so pissed at Sean because – by the way, the internet is leaking. People know that, you know, Sean's being kind of a dick and people didn't like Sean because, you know, but, but Vince loved him and all of that played into the reality of it. And all of this, because of this plays into the fact that they're able to take over the ratings war with WCW in the Monday night wars. And eventually say, fuck you. We are the, we are the brand and we're going to buy you out years, years, this is returning years later. But this, this match, I don't think you'll understand this match 
could be the nucleus of all of that because of what happened. And it's all an accident. Do you, do you realize what I'm saying right now? Do you, do you see what, how, where I'm going? That's what people don't get. This accident that nobody intended to happen was the sole nucleus in the build of Stone Cold. And there's some things where mankind took over the ratings war when he won the title on Raw. There's a lot, there's a lot of little influences that we're leaving out. But that nucleus that was totally accidental could be the start of the fire that builds in order for this company to really take over and eventually buy out WCW when it fails and flounders. And by the way, WCW, God, they put on a lot of crap for like two years, but people watched it. They I, watched it. I agree. Shawn Michael sucks. So <laughs> let me, let me just say, let me say this to you and propose this to you. So I went long. Sorry. You know, a lot of people, <laughs> you know, say, God, you know, it's the wrestlers nowadays were allowed to, cut promos more loosely and non-scripted, just bullet points or whatever. Think about this. If this, if this happened in today's wrestling atmosphere, that match would have been stopped instantly. Daniel Bryan. Well, anything. It doesn't matter. Well, I mean, like, Daniel Bryan not had a the second or, Austin would have, if it was today's stopped, atmosphere, right? if the second, the second Austin got dropped on his head, the ref would have came in there and done the X symbol, you know, the, which they've fucking, they've worked that in a storyline so much that nobody believes it anymore. Um, but like he would have came in and done the X symbol and the match would have been done. So if the match would have been stopped, would Austin have the same momentum? Maybe they could probably off that. Hey, the ref stopped that. I never quit. I never did this. Would uh, would they have won the ratings war? I don't know. Well, maybe because they could have still done the same thing with Austin. They could have still chased him. Yeah, yeah, maybe. he pinned him. But I don't think Austin needed to pin Owen at this point. If the ref stopped it, it could have been Austin. You know, instead of Owen saying, "Well, he would have said Austin three sixteen instead of broken neck or Owen three sixteen for broken neck." He had the shirts um, anyway. But he could have said, "Hey, I did like my brother. Like you know, we 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 stopped you. We knocked you out." No, you didn't quit, but, you know, you passed out from the pain from my brother and I dropped you on your head and the referee said you couldn't continue, you know, whatever. So I still think it would have worked. Um, but at the same time, imagine that injury happening nowadays. They would just stop it. That's kind of crazy to think about. Like here they they drug it on. The ref gave Austin like two minutes to figure out what he was doing. And then they did a shit. Which feels like an eternity. Would it, would it have been better? Uh, wow. What am I saying? Would it have been better if they stopped it? Then, I don't know. I mean, it's so hard because we say. watched Austin do this weak fucking roll up, and I'm, I'm just both guys were improving. They were just trying to get through the match, right? Yeah. But I mean, like nowadays, you I'm think sure like, they had they had a lot more to do. There. Can probably, you imagine? They like, probably expected to go twenty. Minutes. Austin moving the way he moved could have further injured his spine. Think about that. Like nowadays, they're totally conscious about concussions and spinal injuries and all that. What it might have been better if they would have stopped it right then, because like again, Owen could have still done the same thing. Owen three sixteen says I just broke your neck. He still could have done like, oh yeah, the ref had to stop it and save your life against my brother, and you also had to have the refs help to save your life against me. Like you know, it maybe would have been more intense. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's hard to say if if Austin would have gotten pinned, if Owen would have just pinned him because he couldn't, like that would have been terrible. Well, I, I, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about they that. did the right thing by not having Austin get pinned here. Sure, but but I don't know. Maybe it would have been better if they stopped. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about it differently. I'm thinking about what if the injury never happened. No, no, there's two different the schools of thought on that. You're right. Yeah, that or I'm just saying, let's say it did happen, which it did. Today's standards would have stopped the match within a second. Yeah. Like the second, the nowadays, the, the refs legitly are trained. If you see any kind of head trauma, yeah. you stop, stop it. it. You yeah. walk, you go over, you look at them. If they do not look at you in the eyes back, you stop it. Right. Like, and that's it. 
So they would have. They can't squeeze your hand. You shut. Yeah, down. today's match, they would have walked over. Of they course. would have. They would have rolled. They would have yeah. looked at Austin's eyes. Squeeze my hand, Austin. I can't squeeze my hands. I can't feel my hands. Stop it right now. It yeah. would have stopped. So I still think they would have had just as big as an impact if they stopped it. But if they did what normal people back here in '97 would have thought to and do, which was have Austin just get pinned because sure. he couldn't move. Um, because you want to keep the I, realism up, right? I, I if you were still in a match, if you're yeah. if you and I are in a match, yeah. and I drop you on your head, sure. In character, I would have just pinned you, sure. Because that's what the pile driver was going to be. I guarantee you, if he would have pile drove Austin, Austin would not have gotten hurt. A cover was going to follow, oh, and Austin would have kicked out right before three, you know, to course, get the drama yeah. up or whatever. Oh my god, yeah. you know, yeah. But, so that's what that what the plan was. So if yeah. I would have just said, "Fuck, Dave can't move," I'm going to lay on him lightly and pin him so the medics can get in here and do it. That would have killed Austin. That oh, would have, I, I, that would have I agree killed with that. Austin. I agree with that completely, which is why Owen didn't do it because Owen's a professional. Now I'd look at on the other side if if and I think we all agree on this. You you agree on this. We've talked about this. If 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 the pile driver had gone without fail, no injury, and Stone Cold would have pinned him and gotten the IC title, would there have still been a Stone Cold run? Sure. But would it have gone over um as crazy, you know, like get it on like Donkey Kong. I don't think so because the the happenstance and the accidental that happens is the fact that guess what? Stone Cold can't wrestle, but Stone Cold could Stone Cold could stun the shit out of you every single week. And, and maybe it would have in the sense that and that's when, when they got Tyson. But that's really where it built. When they got Tyson, they could have done the resistance between Vince. But I think the tension built because Austin couldn't wrestle and Vince was the guy on the screen prohibiting him from wrestling. And, that and then pulled, it built up to the stunner. You would, have never, you would have never pulled the Vince character into I, it. I still think the Austin would have been big because when they brought Tyson in, they would have had the same face off. I'm sure. But that build up to Tyson was so important. Like it was really important. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm, that's, I mean, we go. We talked about a lot of this about on the Stone Cold episode, and we talked about some of this too on the uh, Owen Hart episode. Um, but uh, this will wrap up the Dark Match sessions, the first watch along that we've done. Uh, Dark Match sessions number four, I believe this will be. Um, so I hope you guys like this version of the Dark Match sessions. Cuz is missed, and Cuz will be missed, but he'll be back the next time we have an episode up for sure. Yeah, um, fuck he, that guy. He's taking a nappy poo and he's editing some stuff and we give Cuz a break every now and then because he deserves it. And all the cool sound clips you guys hear and all the stuff edited in is because of Cuz and the flow of the episodes and everything. And and we have gotten a lot of good response from the Stone Cold episode and that's all Cuz is editing. Stop like. kissing his ass, bro. He Jeez. is a real, real piece of shit. <laughs> um, so on that note, this is Jess and Dave for our wrestling podcast signing off. See you Big, massive pieces of shit next time. All right. Whoa, 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 bud. No need to call our audience massive, big pieces of shits. You know who the real big piece of shit is? You, Jess, because you failed to mention this. If you enjoyed this episode and all of our other episodes, please give us a subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel at Our Wrestling Channel. Follow us on SoundCloud. If you like these uh, episodes to be available via audio Without the video, our SoundCloud channel is Our Wrestling Podcast. And then follow us on Instagram at OWP2019. Follow us on there and uh, you'll get an insight on future episodes. For example, usually Jess will post a picture a week in advance letting you know what next week's topic is going to be. So give us a follow on Instagram and you'll usually know 
at, at least in a week's advance of what the next episode's going to be. And maybe we should take this opportunity right now, since, you know, just in the beginning, you like to bury the dark match sessions format. Well, I mean, quite frankly, you know, a couple other topic based episodes have actually not been performing as well as uh, some of these dark match sessions. And, you know, we've gotten comments from everyone. A lot of people love the leg. I, I think the majority of people love the legacy episodes, which we do, too. We enjoy that. Those are those are definitely our best episodes that we have. But. I also get comments from people saying that they like the dark match sessions better because they like that free for all, you know, sounding like a bunch of dudes just sitting around a table talking pro wrestling as you naturally would if you were at a party with a bunch of your friends who were into pro wrestling. And then we know some people do enjoy topics like overhyped and failed gimmicks. And especially one of my favorites when wrestling gets real. So let us know in the comment section, which episodes do you like? What episodes do you want to hear more of? We're going to do all formats regardless. We're going to do all topics regardless. But that way we can kind of get an idea of what everyone likes. And would you prefer the episodes to be longer? Would you prefer only the dark match sessions be about 30 to 40 minutes while legacy episodes be an hour, two hours, three hours? Let us know in the comment section. That way the listener has a say in what we do in our podcast. That way it's more enjoyable for you. Because as corny as it's going to sound... Our wrestling podcast is your wrestling podcast. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I cannot fail to mention how Jess, regardless of Dave hating on the work that I put in, you're putting me over. I got to thank you, bud. Thank you very much. You're putting me over so much. I, I thought you were talking about Hulk Hogan, brother. Jeez. Thanks a lot, bud. Thank you. Thank you so much. You went from Goblin Hogan's dick, brother. So until next time, everyone, thank you for listening to our wrestling podcast.